All right, all right. How y'all doing tonight? Man, this is the last, last time we speak during the summer, right? Is that correct? So I, I think they saved the best for last, right? So uh, anyway, we're going to have a great time tonight. I hope y'all brought your Bible. How many of y'all got a Bible in here? All right. We're going to definitely go through the Bible tonight. And uh, hopefully we'll do a little teaching here, some things that will parallel. Hopefully you'll really understand some thoughts. Uh, but above all, man, we want God to change us here. And that's what we're here for more than anything. But uh, I do appreciate Amir, man. How many of you guys love Pastor Amir? Appreciate him. Uh, there's no doubt, man. You guys got a great leader, and you got a great team here. I'm very proud of Elevation, uh, very proud of, of the college ministry here, our young adult ministry. And here's a cool thing, man. When, when Rick and I wake up every day, we are so pumped and so confident about where the church is going because of you guys in this room. And, and my wife can tell you that. Uh, since day one, when we first planted the church, our heart was always to pass it on to the next generation. And so to really see that, the reality of this happening now, and uh, it, it's an amazing thing to see. And so I appreciate all you guys that are here tonight. You guys are here during the summertime. Uh, you guys got pens and paper. You ready to take some notes. And uh, so you ought to pat yourself on the back. Everybody give yourself a hand on that one there. That's a good thing there. But uh, my name is Darren. Uh, I am from southern Louisiana. Uh, I've seen a little Texas A&M Aggie up in here, but, uh, you know, I represent LSU, God's country, God's team. Um, but, you know, my wife and I, we've been together. I'm going to ask Marcy to stand up, my beautiful bride there. Uh, we've been together for 28 years, all right? That's older than most. How many of y'all are older than 28 years old in here, all right? All right, just a few. All right, so we've been together before y'all were even born. All right, so that, that makes us kind of old here, okay? So hopefully uh, we can relate some things to you guys. But look, man, I love my wife, uh, incredible woman of God. We have two kids, uh, D, he's 18. Uh, he'll be involved here in Elevation uh, coming in the fall. Some of you know D. And then also I have a daughter, Kara, uh, who's definitely the apple of her daddy's eye. And uh, she is 16 and an incredible young lady, serves God and just uh, great things ahead. So I don't have a perfect family, but I do have a blessed family. And uh, we do ministry together. So, but look, here's what I want you to do. Open your Bible here tonight. If you got your Bible, I want you to open Ephesians chapter two. Ephesians chapter two, and we're going to read a verse that pretty much I want kind of to set the course tonight. And what I want you to do tonight, I want you to really think about yourself, who you are, and where you are right now in your own life. Uh, because the critical thing I want you to see, and it's very obvious, guys, we're living in a post-Christian culture. Do y'all understand that? We're living in a post-Christian culture. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean that Christianity is a generation now. It's taken away where my generation is where it started. But the generation that's come up after me, you guys, most people have not grown up in church. Most people don't know the Word of God. Most, most young people, they don't understand what the cross of Christ is about. And so because of that, our culture has shifted and most of our culture is, they're really more of an antagonist to you or to the gospel of Christ. And, and so that's very obvious. We see that. But here's the thing I want you to see here tonight is that God's still got a great work that he wants to do. And here's the cool thing, man. You know, for a lot of people, they, they preach doomsday. Uh, they look at most young people and teenagers and college students and young adults and say, man, we are going nowhere. All right. But here, when I look at this generation, I think, man, we've got some great things ahead of us. Because God has his hand on the church, and the church is this generation. 
And so I'm going to be talking to you. Listen, if you're here new tonight, um, and man, you don't know all this thing about Christianity or who God is, maybe you're atheist or whatever. Man, look, enjoy tonight, hang out tonight, but I am going to be challenging those that are believers to really take on the role that God's called you to. And, and so I want you to look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, and listen to what it says here. It says, for we are God's masterpiece. Everybody say masterpiece. All right? Right there, it just said that we, that means you. If you are a follower of Christ Jesus, the Bible says that you are a masterpiece. All right? That's, that's something for us to understand because our identity in the culture that we live in doesn't tell us that, does it? But when you read the Word of God, the Word of God, it contradicts our culture, and it says, look, you are a masterpiece. Why? And listen to what it says here. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do good things that he's planned for us long ago. And so here's the challenge, man. That is every one of you have a responsibility in this room. And that responsibility is a call, and that is to be a Christ follower, someone who follows after Jesus. Now, again, I say post-Christian. When you say Christianity in most circles, especially when you travel all throughout the world, man, that has a very negative connotation. And so when I like to share, I like to talk and say, hey, we're followers of Jesus. Because when you mention Jesus, how many of y'all know that's a little bit different there? All right, we can say, oh, I love God, but how many of you really love Jesus? And so the challenge is, is look, take on the responsibility of being a, a Christ follower. All right, and so here's what I want to look at. There's two cats in the Bible, man. And, and turn to Exodus chapter 31. And most likely these are two people you've probably never heard of. And if you've heard of these two people or if you can literally tell me the whole story about these two people before we even get there, I, I got a little, a little money in my back pocket for you. All right, so Exodus 31, who's the two people? Real quick, who can tell me who they are? All right, nope, nope, five, four, three, two, one, nobody, all right. But here's these two cats, and here's the thing. How many of y'all ever heard of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right? Y'all heard of those guys, Peter and Paul? Y'all heard of them, right? But here's two guys in the Bible. I guarantee you, outside, with the exception of Brandon O'Brien, Dr. O'Brien, most of you probably never heard of these two guys. But here it is in Exodus chapter 31, and we pick up the story here at the, at the book of Exodus now. It says, and the Lord spoke to Moses. How many of y'all know who Moses is? All right, that's a good thing. We watched that, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago. All right, but he spoke to Moses and he says, See, I have called by name Beziel. Everybody say Beziel. How many of y'all ever heard of Beziel? Anybody in here? All right, we, all right, we got one, man. All right, so he says, Listen, I've called by name Beziel, the son of Ur, who's also the son of her, the tribe of Judah. And I've filled him with the Spirit of God and wisdom understanding, and knowledge. Underline those three things. He says, look, I filled this man up with wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. And then he goes on and he says, look, that in all manner of workmanship to design the works, and he designed the works, basically we see is what he's talking about here is the tabernacle, the place that God would dwell. He said he designed it in gold and silver and bronze and cutting jewels and setting and carving wood for the work of the manner of workmanship. And then verse 6, it says, And I, indeed, I have appointed with him Ahiliab. Everybody say Ahiliab. How many of y'all like to be named that, right? But here's two cats. Most of you probably never heard of them. Here it is, Beziel and Ohiliab. And he says, I got Ohiliab, this dude. He says, look, I want him to work with this guy. And he says, that I make all that I've commanded you, the tabernacle of the meeting, 
and the Ark of the Testimony and the Mercy Seat. So basically, here's what this guy's doing. He is building a place that's supposed to house God's presence. Any of y'all have ever studied the tabernacle in here? Who studied the tabernacle? Anybody? Old Testament tabernacle? How many of y'all ever read the Old? Anybody ever Old Testament? All right. Y'all heard of Old Testament, right? All right. Tabernacle. Anybody know what a tabernacle is? Who knows what a tabernacle is? Yes. What is it? It's the place where the Ark of the Covenant was placed in. Okay, now, what's the Ark of the Covenant? There we go. Ark of the Covenant. Who knows what that is? All right. Ark of the Covenant is where the Ten Commandments were placed in. Also, what else was in there? Anybody know what else was in there? Anybody else? Some manna. All right. Anybody remember Moses and he had a little rod there? Y'all remember that? Okay, but here's the whole thing. They, he, they, were, they were in charge of building God's house. Now, how many of y'all have ever been involved in a building project? Anybody in here been involved in a building project? I've built several houses, and uh, our last house we built, it was very challenging, uh, but very rewarding as well. But, but to think about, hey, this might be our last house, you, you put a little bit more effort into it. But can you imagine God asking you to build his house? God saying, hey, hey, come over here. I, want, I got something for you. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to start developing and building my house. Start working on the blueprints. Now, how many of y'all would say that would be a little intimidating, right? And so here it is. He's got these two cats, these two young men. He says, look, I want you to build this tabernacle. And I want this tabernacle to be ultimately a place that, that I'm going to dwell with my people. And I, write this down on top of your notes there. And that is that God has called us to display his glory. Write that down. God has called us to display his glory. And so here's two of these guys given a great task, and that task basically was to build God's house. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to kind of travel through this. I'm going to give you four quick points tonight that you can be able to discuss and think about. But, but ultimately what I want you to see here, and this is what I want you to grab hold here tonight, that is God has called you to be a tabernacle for him. And y'all say, well, man, I don't understand what tabernacle. Hopefully we're going to get into all this. But, but God's literally called you. And the word tabernacle simply means what? It means a house, right? And so God's literally called you to be a house for who? For his presence. And so in the Old Testament, they built this tabernacle. Then they would use priests. But in the New Testament, the Bible says this. God does not dwell in things made of hands. But instead, where does God choose to dwell? Where does he choose to dwell? In us. So we are to be the example of who God is. And so we pick up the story here. Y'all, y'all turn a couple of chapters over. Exodus chapter 35. Exodus 35, and we pick up the story here in verse 30. And it says, Moses said to the children of Israel, See, the Lord has called you by name, Beziel. Four things I want you to write down here. Number one, that God has called you to his glory. Number one, you got to understand your task as a calling. How many of y'all remember Pastor Rick spoke on what it means to be called? Do y'all remember that? I think that's what he spoke on, about being called. Now, if I call you in this room, and I would say something, I say, okay, I'll call you by name. What am I doing when I do that? First thing, I am recognizing you, right? And if I call you up, again, I'm giving you an order. I'm saying, hey, I've call, I want you to come up here. 
All right, and I'm not going to embarrass anybody in here, but I thought about one particular young lady in this room that I'm really close to about calling her up. Uh, she's like a, a niece to me, but my wife said, I, I can't do that. But, but it says here, God's called you, and I want you to understand this. Many of us look at Christianity as a task instead of a call. And a lot of times what we think of as Christianity is a checklist. And that is, a lot of times if I ask you, hey, tell me how you'll walk with God is, what's the first thing y'all going to really reflect on? Is how much have I read my Bible? Or another one is how much have I prayed, what, this morning? Or, man, how much did I worship? And so we got to, hey, did I come to church, right? And so a task a lot of times with Christianity, especially with the, this generation, is we look at it as the things we do versus who we are. And so God calls this young man, he says, listen, I'm giving you this task to build the tabernacle. But he understood this, and that is, he understood, hey, I'm not just given the task, but I'm called to build the tabernacle. And the difference in having a task and being called, it comes back as purpose. What has God purposed you for? How many of y'all would say that's probably an important question to ask yourself these days, Right? Especially at your age, man. When you're in your, your 20s and stuff, you're thinking, man, what am I supposed to do with my life, man? You get out of school and out of college, it's like, okay. And then you realize, man, I just spent four, five, six years, you know, and I uh, realize I, I studied the wrong thing and I want to be something else, right? But here's the thing about this, man. This guy understood that his task ultimately was his calling. And, and task and calling, they're different. Here's the key that they're different in. is different by purpose, and this is one thing I've learned with a lot of people, especially a lot of young people and young adults, is that they're wandering through life a lot of times aimlessly. They don't know where they're going. It's kind of like you get in a car and you say, okay, where are we going? There's no navigation. All right, you don't know north, south. You don't know streets. You don't know. And it's like we just get in a car and we go. Now, after a long period of time, how many of y'all know we'd be wasting time, right? You'd be getting aggravated. You'd be getting frustrated. If I say just get in your car and go, many of y'all say, go where? Where are we going? What are we doing? But a lot of people live their life that way. They wake up every day and they just go. They have no purpose. They have no direction. They have no vision for their life. The scripture tells us in Proverbs 29 where there's no vision or purpose, people are unrestrained. And what they're simply saying here is that life, it feels useless, unfulfilled. And so look, guys, listen, purpose is so important. And your purpose, I want you to think about that. Here's this cat, Beziel. God gives him the purpose to build this tabernacle, God's house, that's going to house the presence of God. And he says, now that's your calling. Your calling, I want you all to get this. Your calling is to display God's presence. When you're thinking about, man, God, what am I called to do? Look, real simple. We can make it very simple here. God's given you all of you a calling. And that calling is to display his presence. Display his presence. You are, the Bible says, you truly are a tabernacle. I know that might sound a little weird to you, but 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, it says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple? There it is again. And it says that God's spirit dwells in you. And here's the thing, guys. When you understand the purpose and how God's created you, you begin to live a little bit different. You, 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 when you have purpose, here's what happens. You focus on what matters most. It changes your focus. When you have purpose in life, it, it gives you endurance, knowing, hey, we're going to endure no matter what's going on around us. 
When you have focus in life, here's the other cool thing, and I can definitely testify to this. It gives you peace. My wife can tell you, before I met Christ, I had no peace. And I was trying all these other things to fulfill my life. And I thought sports was definitely the the thing that was going to do that for me. But again, it was aimlessly, man. It didn't add up. Peace of God comes from purpose. And I'm going to tell you right now, man, what the world offers you is not peace. It's not peace. And sometimes what it might be is it might be a peace for a moment. It might be seasonal peace, but what God offers you is peace that is eternal. And so when you look at the purpose here, again, understanding your calling is different than a task. God simply called all of us in this room to display his presence, his glory. Simple thing. All right? Then in Ephesians chapter 1, I love the way the Message Bible puts this, verse 11. It says, it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. It's in who? It's in Christ. It's in Christ is where we find out who and what we're living for. Don't forget your calling. And your calling is to display what? God's presence, God's glory, wherever you go. And one thing that, you know, 2008, my wife and I, we traveled to London. And when we got to London, one of the things that we noticed, we we like to to kind of observe people, watch, you know, like watching people. And so we sat outside the train area there and, and just observing people. And one of the things that we both noticed when we got back from that trip, we said, hey, what did you notice? Here's the thing we noticed that young people were running around there aimlessly. It was amazing. Every morning we, we would walk, we'd watch people just kind of go through life. They're traveling fast. They're doing it, but no purpose whatsoever. And then all of a sudden we start looking at London and we're looking at Europe and realizing, look, they are one generation away from Christianity being extinct. This was in 2008. And we begin to watch and look and look, and all of a sudden we realized, man, there were no churches anymore. The churches that were there, they made them into malls and they made them into coffee shops. And I, I mean, no presence of God whatsoever in that country, 2008. It was scary, man. Then we went over to Dublin, Ireland. Dublin was the biggest party town even more. I'm talking about this was definitely a generation that was totally away from the things of God. And we looked at that and how sad it was. But here's the cool thing, guys. We were in London last week, my wife and I, and we were gathered around young people, young adults. As a matter of fact, there was over 20,000 young adults gathered in the O2 arena, and they were worshiping God. And here's the cool thing to watch. Seven years, what took place, and here's what took place. Some young man or some young woman said, look, I'm going to answer the call. Some young man or some young woman said, look, I'm going to make a difference in Europe. I'm not going to settle for what culture says. And because of that, there are now thousands and thousands of young people serving God. There's churches popping up all over Europe, man. And here's the cool thing, guys. All it does is just take one person, one person that says, look, God, I'm going to take on your call. And that call is to display you wherever I am, wherever I go. And so I just want to encourage you with that, man. Wherever you are right now, whatever you're doing, man, take on the call of God. Remember what this says in David in Acts chapter 13, verse 36. It said, David served God's purpose in his generation. In his generation. He accepted the call. It was a dark generation at that time. 
but he still accepted the call. All right, going back to these two cats again in Exodus chapter 35. Second thing I want you to write down real quick with your notes, and that is they did their part in developing their skill. So it's not just saying, hey, I'm called. God, I received my purpose. There's a lot of people that have so much potential, but they sit on it. You know what I'm saying? They're lazy. They never do anything. They never develop those gifts. With this guy, dude, we see, man, this guy had mad skills, man. Exodus 35, verse 31, it says, Then Moses told the people of Israel, The Lord has specifically chosen Beziel. Here he is again. And in verse 31, the Lord has filled him, listen to what it says here, with the Spirit of God, giving him great wisdom, ability, and expertise. Great wisdom, ability, and expertise. What's really unique about this scripture, and I don't want to get way too deep into this, but in Proverbs, it also shares this about how God designed the creation of the world. And it literally uses the same Hebrew words that it uses here, and it says, God created the world with wisdom, ability, and expertise. And then when you think about that, that's when I think, okay, God's called all of us in this room. You have a purpose. You have a calling. But what are you doing with that calling? What are you doing with it? Because here's these two young men. What they did, they became known as the best of their craft. They were the top of their class, man. That whatever they did, they were the best at it. And you can read all these different things. This guy was gifted but he became a master craftsman. And if you're going to master any craft, how many of y'all know it takes time? It takes a lot of patience. It takes a lot of hard work, dedication. Any athletes in this room? Who's an athlete? Any athletes? Any of y'all play college ball? Andy, don't fool yourself now, brother. All right. Anybody play college ball in here? All right. We've got a couple of college balls. All right. College ball. All right. Look, man, the reason there's not a lot of you raising your hands to play college ball, it goes back because... Maybe you didn't have the heart necessarily. Maybe you didn't have the discipline. You know, it's not just size, man. It comes back to the heart. So here's the thing, guys. God has called you, but when God calls you, he says, okay, I want you to work on your craft. And so if you're a ball player in here, that means, look, if you want to go to the next level, every day you're putting in the work. Every day you're developing your skills. Every day you're going at it. So if God has called you, remember what the calling is, is to reflect and display his glory. That means every day I'm working on this temple, right? Every day working on this temple to hopefully display who God is. It's a big task, man. It's a heavy purpose that God places on us. And so here it is. This guy's got wisdom. He's got ability. He's got expertise. All right, craftsmanship. So here's the question. I want you to write this down. What are you doing today to develop your gift and your ability? I've seen this with so many people. They say, man, I got this gift. Okay, are you developing that gift? Can you imagine if God would show all of us in this room where we could be? Or can you imagine when we're late in age? And here we are, we're old people, and God says, look, what could have been if you just would have took the time to develop your gifts, develop your skills? These guys were building the tabernacle, the house of God, and they took time. They became experts. And let me just say something. I definitely believe this, and that is no matter where you are, whether in the workplace, whether on the ball field, all right, in church, in school, 
in class, sorority, fraternity, wherever you are, here's the question I want to throw out to you. Why can't you be the best? Why can't you be? And I'm not just talking about, you know, you got the greatest skill. I'm talking about why can't everybody look to you and say, man, that person's successful. Something's different about that girl, that guy. Why can't it be us? When it says here, it says, look, wisdom, ability, and expertise, God's given us all these things. God's given you those things. And that's why I believe this generation, listen, guys, there's the greatest, the the most, I look at this group around here, we got some of the strongest businessmen and women in this room. And you don't even see that yet. We got some of the doctors, we got nurses, we got teachers, we got pastors in this room. We got moms, we got dads, we got all all these different types of people in this room. And here's the thing, why can't we be the best at it? Where the world looks at the church and says, hey, if we're going to do it like, why can't MTV study elevation and how y'all do things? Right? Am I right about that? I mean, why can't they do that? Why can't our creative team, where Hollywood starts calling our creative team on things, But guys, here's the thing, man. If you believe that you house the presence of God and the Holy Spirit, if you really believe that, if you really, really believe that, then you sacrifice. You go after it every day. You do whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. And so I just want to challenge you with that thought. Man, you might feel like you're called, but are you developing that skill? Are you developing that calling? Colossians 3.17, it says, whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of who? Of Jesus Christ. Well, but I can't, I can't, I can't preach at work, man. I can't do that. Well, man, I, I, I can't do this. Uh, look, I coached ball, guys, for years in public school. They told me, do not say Jesus. Do not do this. Do not do that. I'm going to tell you, we had some of the greatest times spiritually on my football team than we had in the church. Guys, You can make a difference wherever you are. Develop your call. Develop your gift. Listen, if you're called to be a teacher, be the best teacher. And then when someone interviews you and they talk about this new skill that you have in developing kids in a new learning theory, and all of a sudden everybody in the world is looking to you for this whole new educational experience, you can get up there and say, okay, it's because of the wisdom and the ability that God has given me. It's the Holy Spirit. So do y'all get that? Why can't you be the best? And I'm not trying to be cocky. I'm not trying to put anybody down or say that, but there's no doubt, man. If you have Jesus, you should be at the top, man. You should be at the top. All right? So third thing about these guys, and I think this is important. Go back to Exodus 35, verse 34. And this is what it says here. Again, he's talking about Beziel and Aheliab. And Beziel, he says this. It says, in God, verse 34, And God put in his heart the ability to teach. And so, look, God has called you. We got that one, right? And what's our calling? To to display who God is, his glory, wherever we are. Second thing we learn here is that God's given us all gifts and abilities, but it's your responsibility to do what? Develop the gift, develop the call. Third thing we see here, he says he's given the ability to teach. If you're going to teach, that's generosity. Teaching is basically sharing what you have. So listen, if we're going to be God's temple, 
God's glory, then it's going to take all of us to reflect that. And so when he went through this great task of saying, man, I got to build this temple, he didn't say I was going to build it by myself. Immediately, what did he do? He got Oheliab, and he said, hey, Oheliab, you come with me, man. Listen, when you're called, when you develop your gifts, I encourage you, always have somebody there with you. Always take somebody under your wing. Always. Some of your athletes are pointing to it. Man, look, when I had my quarterback, my quarterback went, and he always had somebody under his wing. He hung out with him before practice, after practice. He went and ate with him. They hung out together. They did all what he was developing that other young man. Eventually, that was going to what? Take on the team. Guys, in your calling and your gifts, always do what? Bring somebody along the way. Who do you have that you're training up? Who do you have that you're encouraging day in and day out? And some of you, here's the thing, guys. You don't have to be perfect. Y'all look at me. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have everything together. You're going to make mistakes. Look, what people are looking for is authentic people who are real and genuine and says, you know what? I messed up. But thank God for his grace. I'm going to get back on track here again. Right? Don't use, listen, your, your past mistakes as an excuse not to train somebody along the way. All of us in this room, listen to me, all of us, including myself, if you would know my testimony and my story, and I was sharing this with Ben Gormley the other night. We were out together. If you, I mean, y'all, how many of y'all know Ben? I mean, he's like, he's little Jesus, right? And he's just looking at me like, you are the most evil being I've ever, I was just sharing my testimony, and Ben's just, his mouth dropped, and it's just, and, and you know, Megan, Megan's just sitting there laughing, and I, but I mean, I'm just telling you guys, look, all of us in this room, we're not worthy at all. But God does what? He calls you. He chooses you. Okay? And ultimately, when you look at the tabernacle, what I love about the tabernacle more than anything, when you would go in the Holy of Holies, you know what was there? It wasn't just the ark, but what was on top of the ark? Anybody know? What was on top of the ark? It was called the mercy seat. And you know what that mercy seat represents? God's forgiveness and God's grace. So look, everybody look at me. Don't let your past hinder you from your call, from developing your gifts, and also from gathering other people to do it with you. God's going to do it with a group of people, guys, I'm telling you. It's not just one. It's not just two. I saw 20,000. Am I right, babe? 20,000 or more young people like this just on fire for God. Amazing. So look, bring somebody along the way. Help people along the way. In Romans chapter 12, it says, look, just as there are many parts of the body, so it is with Christ's body. Everybody has a part to play to display God's glory. And then the last thing, I just want to, I'll, I'll close with this. How are we doing with time, Amir? All right. Great. Awesome. Does that mean two minutes, ten minutes, three hours? We got fireworks at nine? Okay. We got food? Food trucks. All right. Cool, man. All right, here's, here's the last. Another qu- all right, so here's the other question. All right, are you willing to enlist others along the journey? I think that's very important. When you're talking about your call, when you're talking about developing your gifts, are you willing to enlist others to come along with you? Anytime you develop a gift, how many of y'all know that, man? When you can turn around and teach it to someone else, it helps you master your, your craft. 
right? Now, look, I also used to coach track. And one thing we would do, we would go through different things. And, and finally, when I got the camera on them and I broke it down piece by piece, track by track, I mean, just going through it all, then they were watching themselves do it. Then I would always have the younger with the older and say, okay, I want you to teach him now. I want you to walk through it. All right, here's the steps for the javelin. Here's what we do. We're going to pull back. And then I would have them do it. Guys, develop your gift with other people. And then the last thing, number four, they were eager to get to work. They were eager to get to work. Look, in, in the gym I go to, one of the things that we say is no one's going to outwork me. That's just, that's how it is. And that's one thing we went, no one's going to outwork me. No one's going to outwork me. No one's going to outwork me. I'm going to tell you, I wish that was the attitude of the church. No one's going to outwork me. No one's going to outwork me. They were eager to get to what? Work. Everybody say work. That's not a cuss word. Y'all do realize that, right? It says they were eager to get to work. Exodus, let's, let's jump a few chapters. Exodus 36. Here we are. Exodus 36, they're building this tabernacle. They're getting it ready. Listen to what it says here. Verse 2, then the Lord had gifted Beziel, no Heliad, there they are again, and other skilled craftsmen. Uh-oh. What did they do? They brought others along the way. They taught them now their skill. With wisdom, here it is again, and the ability to perform any task. Uh-oh. You talk about they developed their gift. They're saying they could do anything now. And then it goes on in building the sanctuary. Let them construct and furnish the tabernacle just as the Lord had commanded. So Moses summoned these guys together and all the others that had this gift, and they were eager to what? What does it say right there? They were eager, verse 7, they were eager to get to work. God's looking this day for willing people that are eager to get to work. Listen, man, there's so much ahead of us. There's so much going on in this world, and God's looking for who is going to step up and do the work. Look, Jesus already came down on this earth. He died. He did his part. And he says, okay, now it's time for you to do what? Your part. And what is that part? When all said and done, we talk about this whole tabernacle. When all said and done, your part is, is what? What did we say early? To display who? God's presence. To display who God is. God says, I called Beziel. The Hebrew word for Beziel literally means in the shadow of the Spirit of God. Think about it. In the shadow of the Spirit of God. God's saying, okay, I've called you now to reflect my glory, to be in my shadow. And ultimately what that's going to do is going to show people who Jesus is. Huge calling that we all have here. But then Luke chapter 9, Jesus understood this. And listen to what it says in Luke chapter 9, verse 62. It says, anyone who lets himself be distracted, y'all listen to this, distracted from the work I planned for him is not fit for the kingdom of God. What are some distractions, real quick? What are some distractions that you can face in your life right now? Right where you are, what are some distractions that can distract you from the call of God in your life? What's one of them? Media, big time. All right, what's that? School, school can distract you. <laughs> Definitely can distract you, all right? All right, what else? Your future, fear, not knowing what's next. 
living in that moment of always living in the future. You don't have to live in that moment of the future. All right, that fear. What's something else that could distract you? What's that? Money. Going after wealth, man. Some of you guys, you went to college just and went under a major so you can make what? So you can make what? Money. I've been with and I've been without, guys. Money doesn't give peace, man. It can buy a lot of things. But we can get distracted with money and material possessions. What's something else we can get distracted with? Talking about our call here. Relationships. And I would say probably that's the number one thing that distracts young people, college students, young adults, is relationships. So he says, look, get to work. And here's the thing about when you get to work. Get to work, stay focused. Wow, you got your call, you got your purpose. And as you're pursuing that, don't get distracted with all these other things. When a horse races, anybody ever been to a horse race before? What do they put on a horse when it races? What do they put on him? Blinders. Why do they do that? So they can't see that. They want to focus. Focus on the end. So Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. It's the last verse we're going to read here. Ephesians 5, 15 through 16. It says, be very careful then how you live. All right? How you work. Do you show up on time? Right? He says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. We're living in some crazy days. How many of y'all do realize that, right? It's crazy. I was talking to a, a guy cutting my hair the other day, and uh, somebody said, you are crazy. I went to a Turkish barber. And, I mean, think about it. This guy's from Turkey, and, you know. So, anyway, what we started talking about, he was just telling me all that was going on in Turkey. And at that, at that morning, they bombed uh, 25 people. ISIS was in there, and he was just telling me all these things. And I was just sitting there talking to this guy. He's got family there. And I was like, wow, man, we're in some crazy times. We're in some crazy days. But here's the thing, man. There is what? Hope. Because there is a light that's going to shine. And all we have to do is just each one of you saying, hey, God, I got it. God, use me. Whatever that means to you. I'll never forget. This last story here is... In 1990, I went to college, and, and it was orientation. We're getting ready for college and everything. And, man, God was messing with me. I got saved, and, and, and God was dealing with me some things. But I'll never forget, you know, we went through orientation, got my classes, got everything lined up. And then that night, man, there was a big party going on. And back in those days, we had what we call toga parties. I don't know if you all know what that is. You know, but that's where you're free on, underneath, you know. You're kind of walking around. And so there's this big toga party going on, man. And, and there's this toga party, and the music's pumping and all that. And I'm just sitting in that, in, that, in that dorm room, and I'm just sitting there. And all of a sudden, at the edge of my bed, I remember that metal bed, I knelt down. And I said, God, look, I'm ready to surrender it all. And God, in the midst of this darkness, in the midst of this school, in the midst of all these things, God, I just want to be somebody that you can use. I'll never forget that moment. I literally picked the phone up, called my parents. 
And within a couple of weeks, I'm not saying you do this, in a couple of weeks, I was transferred in Bible college. I said, God, look, I'm going into the ministry. All right, now I went back to college, went back and got some other degrees and all that. But the point I'm trying to make is, listen, I felt God, I heard God say, hey, I want you to be a light in the midst of darkness. And so I just want to encourage you guys, wherever you're at right now, Romans chapter 12, everybody turn there. I know I said I wasn't going, but I want you to, I want you to hear this scripture. This will be in the, uh, let me do it in the Living Bible. This is what it says in the Living Bible. It says, Romans 12, verse 1, it says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies. What, what is your bodies? What do we learn today? Your body is what? A temple. It's the tabernacle. He said, give your bodies to God because all of what he's done for you. How many of y'all say God did a lot for you? And then he goes on, he says, and let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that will be acceptable. This is the truly way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will, God's purpose for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. So ultimately, what do we say? Every question we all have in this room, what is my purpose, right? He says, your purpose starts when you just surrender it all to God. Amen? That's the step. And so let's close up. Four things. Number one, what do we say? All of us, we got to do what? Accept our call, right? Embrace your call. God's called you. He sets you apart. He has purpose for you. Second thing is, though, you don't just accept the call. What do you do? You develop the gifts. Why can't you be at the top of your game, right? Especially if Christ lives inside of you. Third thing is, when you're doing that, make sure you're doing what? Bring somebody along the way. And then the fourth thing is time to what? Get to work, right? Get to work. Amen? So let me pray over y'all, and then I'm going to pass it on to Amir. And then I think y'all got some discussion.